Thanks for listening to the teaching podcast for People of Hope Church. To learn more about our ministry in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, visit peopleofhope.church. Today we are picking up where we left off last week in a series called Devoted. Last Sunday we began this idea of what it is, what is it all about to live as a disciple of Jesus. And we gave kind of an overview of discipleship. And a lot of us have been Christians for a lot of years or a lot of decades. And it's important that we refresh ourselves on what discipleship is all about. One of the things we talked about was is that, that discipleship is when you attach your life to his life. You leave the old life of following after sin and you say, I want to go his way. And a disciple is a learner, a pupil, a student who comes under someone that they want to learn from. And they want to say, they say, I want to watch them and observe them and absorb from them. And I want to spend time listening and and being taught so that I can begin thinking like them and begin reacting like them, begin to imitate them. And that's what the disciples were doing. And that's the call on your life and on my life as disciples of Jesus to leave the old life behind of following after self and sin and to go his way and to follow after Christ Jesus, to listen closely, to study, to learn, to absorb, to be with him so that we could begin thinking like him, reacting like him, imitating him so that we could represent him here on the earth. One of the things we looked at last week was also this idea of a disciple's journey. That when you become a Christian, you're beginning on this journey where you've, you're first believing and then you're baptized and then you belong to the people of God, the family of faith, and then you're in this process of becoming, this process of becoming like Jesus until he takes you home. And then finally, there's this other aspect of bringing. And the reason bringing is important is because disciples are always made to reproduce, A disciple is not made to just absorb and to take into themselves and to learn all they can learn and to just swell up with knowledge and information and to grow to certain levels of Christian maturity so that they could have all the badges and pins of all the the growth markers in the Christian life. No, we are made to become like Jesus, to reach more people like Jesus would want us to do. We're called to become disciples, making more disciples. So the journey is not just to believe and be baptized and to belong and to become, but it is also to bring. I gave you a resource last week that would help you look at this spectrum, this continuum, if you will, about uh, understanding that zero is this line of faith of believing in Jesus. And everything on the left, all the way to minus five and, or minus one, is somebody who has not believed in Jesus and left their life and been united with his life. This is someone who has not believed, and so they are still under the judgment for the guilt of their sins, and so they are not a Christian. They are not saved. They are not a disciple of Jesus, and their destiny is eternal judgment from God because they have rebelled and sinned against him. But when you cross the line of faith and you take that step of saying, I believe in Jesus, I am choosing to believe in Jesus and following him, I am choosing to become his disciple, that's the zero, And then you begin this plus 
side of faith life where you're growing and maturing and becoming and bringing and all of those things. And I gave you these markers last week as another part of this resource to show you that all the way to minus five, there's this idea of someone who's just so hardcore against God, maybe they're even an active uh, practicing Satanist. Or then you've got somebody who's maybe in, in minus four, that they're just really hostile to the church, to the gospel, to Jesus, to the Bible, any of those things. They get really upset. They don't want to have anything to do with it. And then maybe in, in part number three, minus three, you've got somebody who's just kind of skeptical. They're like, well, I'm glad that works for you. I don't think it works for me. I haven't decided if there's a God yet. I'm not sure if I believe the Bible. They're just kind of skeptical. Then you've got somebody um, who, who may be searching, minus two. And as we noted, this is not meaning they're searching for Jesus because no one is born searching for Jesus. But they may be searching for something to fill an empty void in their heart. They may be searching for something to repair all the broken parts. And then you've got minus one, and we've just sort of casually labeled that a curious person where they're like, man, that seems to make a difference in your world. I haven't yet crossed the line of faith, but I'll go to church with you. I'll go hang out. I'll go listen. I'll go meet some of your friends. I'll go see what this preacher's got to say. I'll go, go hang out around the Bible and, and see what's going on in that. I'll come. And also in minus one, that's you get the category of people who grew up in a Christian household. It is important to remember that discipleship, being a disciple of Jesus, means you have crossed the line of faith personally. Not you, your parents have done it, or your aunt has done it, or your big brother or big sister has done it, or your grandparents have done it, but you personally have said, I am a follower of Jesus. I am choosing to be a disciple of Jesus. And so if you grew up in a Christian household, but you haven't personally crossed the line of faith, you're still in that minus world, still under the judgment for your sins, still having to give an account for the guilt of your sins someday. But when you cross the line of faith, then you are justified, you're declared forgiven and righteous and clean, and then you begin this other side of it. We gave the little marker of the plus one of growing um, and plus two of someone who's really devoted. And I've talked about how that's like most of the people in the room today. Um, you're living a life devoted to Jesus. And then number three, people raising up in maturity to become leaders. And then number four, plus four, they're raised up even further uh, to become teachers. And then we sort of said, you know, way over there in plus five realm, that's sort of Apostle Paul territory. Uh, but I give you this resource for a reason. I want it to help you think about where you are in the, in the discipleship continuum or the discipleship spectrum. Have you crossed the line? It's such an important question because heaven and hell hang in the balance. If you're on the minus side of things, then the guilt of your sin still hangs over your head. And if you were to die today, you would be judged by God for your sins and you would be sent into everlasting judgment. That's just true. It's not pretty but it's true. But if you're on the plus side of things, if you've crossed the line of faith and believed in Jesus, it is amazing, but God, by grace, through faith, has said that if you will believe in Jesus as the Son of God, that he paid for the guilt of your sins on the cross, that God raised him from the dead, if you will take that step of faith and believe, then you are no longer under the guilt of your sins because God counts what Jesus did as paying for all of yours in full. Do you see the importance of following Jesus and crossing the line of faith? You can be a minus one and believe that Jesus is the Son of God. You can be a minus one 
and come to church regularly. Have you crossed the line of faith personally to believe? The second reason I give you this tool, this resource of all these things, is because they help you understand who we are and who we're going to be as a church. And the best language we can come up with right now is we're probably not going to develop all of our church ministries trying to aim toward those who are practicing Satanists. But the sweet spot of our church's aim in our gatherings and other places is going to be about minus two to plus three. Those who are searching and curious through growing devoted leaders, we want to really land there. So these resources are meant to help you. That's where we were last week. Today, I want to talk more about devotion. What does it mean to be devoted to Jesus? Think about that for a minute. What does it mean that I live my life in 2019 as a high school student, a middle school student, a college student, as an adult? Well, how do I live in marriage and in work? How do I live devoted to Jesus? I want to give you three things this morning as we talk about devotion and how that comes in our lives. Number one, Devotion to Jesus comes out of a brand new identity. Devotion to Jesus comes out of a new identity. When you cross the line of faith and you say, I'm going to become a follower of Jesus, you have a new identity. You're now a disciple. That's your new identity. That's who you are in Christ. You and I are not religious. We are in a full-time relationship with God. That's who we are. And I'm going to give you one more resource this morning to try to illustrate that for you today. I want you to look at this and the difference between these two ideas. Over on the right is is segments, these compartments that kind of illustrate a religious person. And here's why they're religious. Well, I've got the work part of my life. I do that Monday through Friday. And I've got the Jesus part of my life. I, I do that on Sundays. I clock in on Sundays, and then I've got home, (laughs) a whole lot of stuff going there. I got a teenager, enough said. And then I've got fun. I got kind of some me time. But Jesus is one of the compartments in my life. This describes a religious person. They clock in, they clock out for Jesus. Well, this is my work realm. You know, Jesus doesn't kind of infiltrate my work realm. Jesus has nothing relevant to do with my work realm. Oh, yes, he does. You know, Jesus doesn't understand business and how we kind of have to do things and cut a little corners and fudge a few reports and, oh, oh, no, 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 no. No, a religious person says, I live a compartmented life. I do this here, then I do that, then I do this. But a disciple has a new identity. Jesus is not something I do. Jesus is who I am. And that's the representation here on the left, that Jesus is the center of my world, and everything flows out of that. Jesus informs my work 
Jesus informs my home. Jesus informs my fun. Jesus informs how I deal with my money. Jesus informs how I treat my body. Jesus informs how I spend my time. Jesus informs everything because Jesus is not just one of the compartments on my busy schedule. Jesus is the center of my life. I'm a disciple. I have stepped forward. I have left that life and I am in a new life following a new way and I have a new identity and he is everything to me. I don't clock in and clock out. I am Jesus 24-7. That doesn't mean you're perfect. It doesn't mean you let some words fly that you probably shouldn't. That doesn't mean that you have some inappropriate thoughts from time to time. That doesn't mean that you don't overreact or do the wrong thing or say the wrong thing or, or, or make a bad decision or all those kind of things. It doesn't mean that you're perfect, but what it means is, is that who you are in all realms of life is first and foremost informed and influenced by the fact that you are a disciple. So devotion to Jesus comes through this identity. When Peter left his fishing nets and boats, remember that from last week? He had a new identity. This is one of the 12. This is a disciple of Jesus. You, if you've crossed the line of faith, you have a new identity. Yep, I have this job title. Yep, I have this role at home. Yep, I have these hobbies and activities. But who am I? I'm a Jesus follower. I'm a son of the Most High God. And that colors everything that flows out of me. So devotion looks like living this world on the left, and maybe, just maybe, some of us accidentally have slipped into being religious. I only worked one job in my many pre-college part-time jobs. I only worked one job, excuse me, I worked many jobs, but only one of them required a uniform. Do you ever work a job that required a uniform? Maybe you're doing one now, and, and that's awesome. That's great that God provided that job for you. I, I was not so thrilled as a sophomore in high school to put on a uniform. Let me tell you a little bit about the uniform, and no, I don't have pictures. I wish, I would, you know, I'm really glad we don't, but I'm sorry to disappoint you. There were khaki pants involved in a navy polo, and then this brown apron I had to wear. This was a fast food restaurant, and one of those brown, kind of tweed-looking old golf caps, like a Newsies, Newsboy, Newsies cap uh, that, I, that, I, that I had to wear, and a big name tag that had my name on it. And I used to hate to wear that uniform because I just knew people from my high school were going to come in, and, and I was just going to be like, made fun of, or people were going to laugh at me, and the uniform, you could wash it a thousand times, and it would still smell like French, French fries. And I hated that idea, but there was a moment where, you know, I'd leave my house, and I would get dressed, I'd put the khakis on, and I'd put the polo on, and I'd have the apron and the hat, and I'd pull in the parking lot, and it was, it was almost time for my shift to begin, and I was like, all right, time to put the apron and the hat on. <laughs> And I would put on the uniform and clock in. And I would literally start my work shift. And then I would be like, how many more minutes till it's over? <laughs> how many more minutes? So I can clock out and get this uniform off. Be on your guard, dear ones. That Satan does not sell you a lie. 
that following Jesus is a uniform you put on on Sundays or Wednesday nights and that you clock in and clock out. So on Sundays, you're this kind of person, but on a Tuesday, you can watch whatever you want to watch. Talk however you want to talk. Do whatever you want to do because that's your time. I mean, I gave Jesus some Sunday time. Devotion comes out of a radical shift of identity. Jesus is not what I do. Jesus is my life. He's who I am. Number two, devotion to Jesus comes because of new access to God. Devotion to Jesus comes because of new access to God. What I'm trying to say here is, is that you and I will be devoted to Jesus. And I know we want to be devoted to Jesus. We'll be devoted because we have brand new access to God, and it ought to continue to blow us away. We should never get over the fact that you and I have unrestricted access to Almighty God who spoke into the void and there was light. It has not always been that way. Coming into the presence of God used to be a fearful and terrifying thing. As a matter of fact, there were some sons of some of the priests, and these two guys named Nadab and Abihu in the Old Testament, Testament and they, they did not take care, and they did not honor the Lord right, and they did not uh, treat him with reverence when they came into his presence, and they, they tried to worship him in, in some casual, make it up as you go, do whatever you want ways, and they, and they were judged in that moment, and God killed them right there in his presence. Going in in the presence of God used to be such a fearful and terrifying thing because he is holy and we are not. It used to be a fearful and terrifying thing that when the priests would go into the Holy of Holies, they would sew little bells at the bottom of his robe so they could listen from the outside from behind this big curtain to know he's still moving around and alive. God hasn't killed him. They used to tie a rope around his waist so that if he did die, they could just drag him out and not have to go in there. But when Jesus came, God with us, when Jesus came, he bought your access to the throne of God. So that when God looks at you, God who is holy, and when God looks at you, who, by the way, don't always live a holy life, you are holy, positionally in Christ, but you don't always say holy things or do holy things. When God looks at you, he is not moved to kill you or strike you down. He sees the righteousness of Christ on your life, and he loves you and accepts you. So devotion to Jesus comes out of the fact that we have brand new access to God that we've never had before. Let me show you a couple of scripture references here. In One of them is in Ephesians chapter three. It's gonna come up on your screen for you. Ephesians 3.12. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Well, 
Pastor, you don't know how I've been living this week, and I've been trying to fight temptation, but I've been giving in to a lot of temptation. I can't, no, if you believe in Jesus, if you're a Christian, if you are a forgiven son or daughter of God, you can come, because of your faith in him, you can come with confidence to the throne room of God. You don't have to hide from him. You don't have to fear him. You and your heavenly father may need to have a serious conversation. That's up to him. But you do not have to fear his love for you. It hasn't changed. It hasn't changed an ounce. You can come and approach God with freedom and with confidence. Let's never forget how radical that is. Let's make sure we never forget what we actually deserve. Hello? And here is the God, God very God, without limits, without edges. God very God who can do anything. God very God who exists in past, present, and future. God very God who sees all things and manages all things perfectly, simultaneously, without a sweat. You can come before the God. That gives birth to devotion. My Lord paid for a way for me to go before the throne of God. And that makes me want to be devoted to him because I can go to him. Look at this other scripture passage. It's one you may be familiar with in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. The writer of Hebrews says, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Approach with confidence. And what kind of throne is? is it? It's a throne of grace for those who believe, not a throne of judgment. Do not be afraid of God. Do not be afraid to approach God. Do not think, well, yes, I'm technically a disciple of Jesus, but I don't really want to look his direction right now because I know I have not been living very consistently in godliness, and so I'm, I'm really afraid to come into his presence. No, fling yourself on your knees and on your face in repentance as his spirit convicts you. Fling yourself before him and receive and drink in the grace of God that has been paid for by the blood of Christ. Come before him and ask for mercy. Ask for help. Ask for him to go to battle for you. Ask, ask for him to change your hard heart, your wounded heart, your selfish heart, your corrupted heart, your lustful heart. Come before the king who can do anything with confidence so that you may, what does it say? You may receive what? Hello? Mercy and find help in your time of need. Let me tell you what Jesus has made possible for me and you. Access to God to find grace and mercy and help. I want to follow. I want to be devoted. Because that's what's available to me right now. Number three, the third thing that devotion relates to and 
we need to understand is that devotion to Jesus comes out of adoption and rescue. Devotion to Jesus comes out of adoption and rescue. It comes out of adoption and rescue. All of us have been chosen in Christ. We've been adopted as his sons and daughters. We have been rescued out of darkness. We've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of the sun. We have been brought out of our blindness. We've been brought out of our lostness. We've been brought from spiritual death to spiritual life. We are no longer standing underneath the guilt of our sins, knowing that if we died today, we would suffer the judgment of God. But in Christ, we are now free and forgiven. This is who we are. We've been adopted and rescued. And that leads us to be devoted. Turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 19. I want us to look to a story that's probably familiar to a lot of people. It's a story of Jesus going through a village and having an encounter with a tax collector named Zacchaeus. You want to be close friends with him, you can just call him Zach. Luke chapter 19. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. And a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector. So not just a tax collector. We talked last Sunday about Matthew Levi, who was a tax collector, and how they were despised in the culture. They were looked at as traitors. They kind of preyed upon people when they were weak and poor and struggling, and they tried to squeeze them for more money, and they were working for the enemy, for the Romans. But Zach, Zach, he's not just a tax collector. He's a chief tax collector. He's a big dog in the tax collector world. Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector, and he was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. Time out. Evidently, Zac had heard about Jesus. News about Jesus had spread throughout the region. He's giving sight to the blind. He's raising people from the dead. He's causing those who are not able to walk to be able to walk. He's healing the sick. He's doing all sorts of amazing things. He's feeding people out of some loaves and fish. He's doing amazing stuff. And there's a lot of whispers that he could be the son of God. There's a lot of whispers that he's the long-awaited Messiah. He's the one. He's the one. He's the one. Zach wanted to see because Jesus was coming through. But the Bible tells us that Zach was short. Another translation says he was small of stature. He was vertically challenged. He had a difficult life, I would imagine. Think about that for a minute. He was short in a world that was probably valuing being tall. He was short in a place where Other things were easy for other people, but they were more challenging and difficult for him. He was in a world where his job made people want to spit on him when he walked by. And the Bible says he was a chief tax collector and was wealthy, but all of his wealth did not fill him up. He still was wanting to see who this Jesus is, something was still empty down deep in Zach's life. And I wonder if some of us can relate to that. 
where we feel like this happened in my life and because of that, my life is now different and I can't live fully. I've been knocked down to living a short life. Maybe something happened to you when you were nine. And maybe it was cruel. And it has convinced you that you are not worth much. It has convinced you that you're dirty. It has convinced you that you're broken. And you're just thinking, is this all there is? Maybe you didn't get school the way you needed to get school and maybe it's causing you to feel like you're less than and doors aren't opening the way you wish they would open and life just seems to be uphill. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, your family looks down on you. Maybe, just maybe, people don't want to be around you because of the job you do. Maybe, just maybe, you can relate to Zacchaeus. You may have a lot of stuff but you still long for something. Let's see what happens. It says here that he had to climb up in this sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. And when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately, for I must stay at your house today. You know what I love about that? Jesus and Zacchaeus had not foot. Uh, physically met before, but because Jesus is God, Jesus knew his name. And here was this wee little man up in the branches of a tree, maybe even a little bit embarrassed that he had to be up in the tree just to look and see who Jesus is. Maybe as Jesus was walking that direction, he thought, wow, there he is. But I could never talk to him because of what I've done. I could never go to him because of what I look like. Jesus knew his name. It says when he got to the spot, Jesus didn't have to go, oh, there's a person in the sycamore tree. Jesus got to the spot. Zacchaeus, come on down. Come Come on down right now. I'd love to go to your house and hang out with you, spend some time with you. I don't know what that climbing down experience was like for Zach. His heart was probably beating fast. Why does he know my name? (laughs) Has news gotten out about me? Am I that bad? (laughs) Am I in trouble? (laughs) Am I about to get a lecture? (laughs) Why am I, why does he know my name? but oh my goodness, he knows my name. (laughs) Is this bad news or good news? Climbing down the sycamore tree. And when he comes down, he begins a speech. He came down at once, welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, oh man, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now, I give half of my possessions to the poor. Here's his speech. And I have, I have cheated anybody out of anything. I will pay back four times the amount. I'll, I'll work really hard. I want to impress you with me trying to do something here to make up for who I've been and for what I've done. 
And Jesus says to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. When Jesus says this man too is a son of Abraham, he is saying this man also counts. This man also matters. I don't care what his job is. I don't care what he's done. I don't care what the rest of the people think about him. He's a son of Abraham. He's a son of mine. I care about him. He matters. He too is a son of Abraham. In verse 10, we have this beautifully powerful word. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Here we have an encapsulation of the mission of Jesus. He came to seek and he came to save. He came to seek, meaning he wanted to find people and give them the good news that the kingdom of God has come. That there is liberation for the captives. That there is restoration for those who've lost. That there is forgiveness for those who've squandered. That there is hope he came to seek, even if you're in a tree, even if you're hiding, even if, you're, even if you've convinced yourself that you're not worth finding, he came to seek. The shepherd left the 99 to go after the one. He came to seek and he came to save. Saving has to do with the cross. Because Jesus just coming around and walking around and talking and healing and teaching, that didn't save. Salvation only comes because Jesus paid for the guilt of your sins and mine. Amen? There was a payment that had to be made. He came on a mission to seek, and he came on a mission to save that which was lost. Why am I telling you all this? Because devotion to Jesus comes out of adoption and rescue. Here Jesus is walking in the Jericho and he goes to Zacchaeus, the lowest of the low, the challenged of the challenged, the despised of the despised, likely ostracized and left out and neglected and overlooked, spat upon. And Jesus says, I care about you. Come to me. Let's be friends. Let's go hang out. Yep, I am the one you've been waiting for. I am the Messiah. I am the Son of God. And I'd love to hang out with you. Not scold you. Not lecture you. Not rub it in your face. Not frighten you, threaten you. I would love to be with you. Jesus came to seek you. Jesus came to seek you even when you've been running hard after sin. Jesus came to seek you even when you've been lost in a bottle. Jesus came to seek you when you've been lost in the pleasures of this world. Jesus came to seek you even when you've been hiding in the, the haze of entertainment and your life is just about seeking one pleasure after the next and you're all about just comfort and pleasure and you're in this stuff of this earth. It, Jesus came to seek you out of that even when you've, you're despised, even when you think you've been cut short by something that happened to you in life, even when you think because of what you've done or what's been done to you, you're not worth much. Jesus came to say to you, you matter, and I want to be with you. Devotion comes out of that truth. Here's what I mean. 
Jesus says, I want to go and be with you. I want to go to your house today. I want to go be with you. This is what's critical if we're going to understand discipleship. Jesus is rescuing and adopting children more than he is enlisting and recruiting workers. Jesus is rescuing and adopting children more than he is enlisting and recruiting workers. We often think, well, being a disciple means I have to be busy for him. I have to work hard for him. And, and every day I'm getting an evaluation at the end of my day. Did I do enough good things? Did I, did I stay away from the bad things? What's my grade, Lord? What's my score today? How good was I today? And we're really, really busy. What do I need to do? What do I need to be about? How do I need to focus on this? What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? And we completely bypass being with him. And so many of us have been sold the lie that says being a Christian is trying to be a good boy or a good girl to impress God. You have already won his heart. How do you know? The cross says you count, you matter. And he's come to you wherever you are and he has sought you and he has found you and he has said, come step across the line of faith and follow me. I'd love to be with you. And many of us who've been Christians for a long time, we have forgotten that Jesus is about rescuing us so we get to enjoy living the rescued life. Hello? that Jesus has adopted us, so we get to enjoy living the adopted life. We get to eat at the king's table, like one of the king's sons and daughters. We've forgotten that first and foremost, he wants us to be with him, not work hard for him. Jesus is rescuing and adopting children more than he's enlisting, busy, nervous, anxious, afraid to mess up workers. And by the way, yes, live a holy life. And yes, obey God's word. And yes, it matters to God what choices you make. And yes, he disciplines us like a good dad does. Yes, all of those things are absolutely true. But not a single day that you live changes the fact that if you believe in Jesus, you are fully accepted, fully loved, and grace is irrevocably yours. For you cannot lose what you did nothing to attain. You just received it. So stop living in this thought of being a disciple means I gotta be busy and impress him and keep him happy. Don't forget that he's looking at you and he knows your name. And he says, I would love to be with you and teach you about the rescued life. You've been living out in the weeds. Come try living rescued. You've been alone and forgotten. I want to adopt you out of a cruel system, cruel domain. Come try living the adopted life in my house. 
let me parent you. Jesus is adopting and rescuing children more than he is enlisting and rescuing workers. So devotion comes out of that. Friends, we need to enjoy belonging to God first and then let that fuel serving God. Because a lot of us struggle with this. How do I be with him? How do I spend time with God? How do I get to know God? All next Sunday is about devotion in the disciples' life of how we spend time with God because a lot of us really struggle in that. That's what next Sunday is all about. But today, think about the opportunities that Jesus has made for you, the access, the new identity, and the adoption and the rescue because now you can be filled every day you can go before the throne of God empty and be filled. You can come before the throne of God downcast and discouraged and really just looking at the world glass half empty. And there in the presence of God, in your time of need, before the throne of grace and mercy, you can be lifted up every day. You can come before God. You have access to him through Jesus. And you can receive guidance for your life. Lord, what should I do? Where should I go? He is your good shepherd. And he will never lead you down the wrong path. Hello? And if you don't know which way to go, have you been on your face before God about it? If you don't know what you should do next, have you prayed longingly before the throne of God because you have that access to find help. If you're weary and tired and discouraged, maybe even just a little bit jaded, burnt, fed up, maybe if you haven't sensed joy in a long time. Maybe for you, church is a clock in, clock out thing. You can come to God every day in his presence and be refreshed. Have you crossed the line of faith personally to follow Jesus as his disciple? If you haven't, he wants to give you forgiveness. He wants to give you a new identity. He wants to be the center of your life. He wants to set you free from being religious. And he also wants to adopt you into his family and rescue, rescue you from far off places. That's the disciples' world. Let's pray.